Welcome to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, how you doing? I am fantastic. Getting over a cold, but hey, it's you know officially off season mode here, and a little different. It's kind of refreshing. Yeah, we're going to be really gearing up. This is kind of a an interesting time. This is kind of a, a bit of a breathing time, a very short between you know the Super Bowl and the Combine. You will see, you know, the franchise tags period is going to start tomorrow. Guys, you know, Victor Cruz was cut yesterday. A few more guys will get cut in the next couple of weeks. But this is kind of about as quiet as it's going to be for about seven to ten days until basically we get through the draft. Right, and all the the front offices are kind of preparing for the combine, getting some grades together, building their draft boards, really talking free agency heavy. You know, they're kind of there's a lot of closed door meetings right now in, in every NFL room or in every NFL building. And what's interesting to me, Bill, is Usually this time of year, you know, the, the, this two, three, you know, week window has a little more action than we've seen. You know, that because the salary cap is so high right now, there aren't many teams in cap hell. You know, that there's fewer cuts than we're usually, you know, accustomed to this time of year. You know, the Victor Cruz's and Rashad Jennings and, you know, people like that that you mentioned it seems like there's fewer of them this year to talk about than there has been. And that doesn't mean they won't come, but the teams aren't as cash-strapped as they've been in the past either. Yeah, and I think that's an excellent point. And I think we'll see some teams cut some guys, not maybe out of necessity, just out of like, hey, we can do better than we're, – we're probably paying him too much money. I use the Raiders as an example because I do a Raiders show. Like a guy like Austin Howard, Dan Williams, they may get cut and be capped. Casualties. Not necessarily because the Raiders need the room and they have $45 million, but these guys may be making too much money and we can get better. And I think that's where the entire league is at. And really, if, you're in, if you are in, quote, cap hell these days, you're pretty bad for an office because you should know how to run this thing by now, and it's getting bigger and bigger. So we don't see the teams, you know, we, we Everybody, pretty much every year, there should be about 25 teams that can really make a move. And Cleveland has a $100 million in cap room, but if you've got $25 million in cap room, you should still be able to get what you want, and you may be able to get the prize. So it's getting easier, I think, and I think that's just a credit to everybody. And the league loosening up the rules a little bit. Yeah, I think that's well said. And, you know, the, uh, you can always – restructure your quarterback or move money around. And um, I, I pretty much believe that for 95% of the teams right now, you can pretty much keep whoever you want. I mean, there's a couple teams that are tight. Dallas comes to mind. and you know, But in a year or two when Romo's off the books and they're paying Dak Prescott basically league minimum, you know, they'll be back to being players in free agency. And you're right. You know, it used to be this time of year that they would be – five, ten, maybe even more teams that are making cuts just to get under the cap. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I just don't see that happening anymore. And, I, you know, I don't really think I've really thought about that much. And it's, But it, it's interesting, and, and, it, and it's real. And when you say you can keep who you want to, you're talking about don't even let these guys get to free agency, right? Yeah, or... Get them done. I mean, I don't think that many teams can use the excuse of, 
boy, you know, we let him walk just because we have, you know, we're so strapped now. You know, there's just a lot of ways to create space and restructure guys and um, know that these guys' contract is up. And I think more more than ever, when hit, people hit free agency, it's more or less uh, an indication that their old team just wasn't interested anymore. And, and that maybe exceptions, should be a hell of a sign, shouldn't it? What's that? And that should be a hell of a sign to these guys, shouldn't it? Sure. You know, kind and, of buyer beware maybe on, on these players? Yeah, I think that's a good point, too. You know, that if, if guys that have started a lot and are big-name players are being let go, you know, and uh, being able to test the market, you should be wary yourself of, you know, how many of those type of guys you should bring in your building. And you still see the best organizations, you know, balance the draft and free agency really well, and um, I assume that will still happen. Like a guy like Sue two years ago, he should have never, ever got to the open market. But he did. And what, what has he been since he's gotten paid really big money from the Dolphins? A guy that's good because he has great ability. He hasn't been a big difference maker for the Dolphins, and he's costing them a ton of money. And, and you still hear rumblings that maybe he doesn't play as hard as he should be. So, I mean, I think that's kind of a classic free agent name there that, yeah, he's, boy, he sounded good, but has, is he the reason why the Dolphins are, made the playoffs last year? I, I don't think so. You, know, you brought up the Browns earlier, and the Browns and the Niners have tons of cap space, and they need everything. And along those lines, I hope that both teams are very wary and aren't just, you know, kid in a candy store just buying people left and right because that probably won't work out for them. Yeah, it usually doesn't. Um, but then, you know, you can shore up your team. I mean, look at the Giants last year. They they did great with the defensive players that they signed, and those guys are tremendous difference makers for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is a place for it. And I think the criticisms are legit for a team like Green Bay or Cincinnati that – uh, they claim that, yeah, we're just going to build through the draft, and, you know, that's great. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, and that sure helped. But you don't think it would have been helpful to go out and get somebody better than, you know, besides Jared Cook or who Cincinnati signed from another team the last couple of years? I mean, you don't think that they could use the help. Um, so, yeah, I do think there's a balance. And I think the best teams out there are draft-oriented, but you have to realize that there's going to be some nice purchases to be made in the open market too and you know supplement your roster with two or three guys every year that are immediate impact guys right right we, you know i did a story today on franchise tag because the mark that that period opens tomorrow and goes through march 1st to 14-day window i mean i guess the first thing that really pops up on that is is, is Kirk cousins if the redskins and we'll probably be talking about him a lot in the next couple of weeks if the Redskins really, truly believe he is their quarterback for the future, and that's what they're saying, and they don't have anybody else, and they're kind of in win-now mode, shouldn't they just sign him to a deal and not worry about this constant, you know, are we going to have to franchise tag him next year? Are the 49ers going to come in and steal him, you know, and give us two first-round picks? We're going to be bad, but we still don't have a quarterback. Shouldn't they just get that deal done with him? Probably, but I still think there's a little bit of buyer beware with him. I mean, coming into the year, he was the most turnover-prone quarterback in the history of the league, and, you know, he's not the most 
gifted guy out there. By all accounts, he's about as hard a worker and into football as you'll ever find. Certainly, he's gotten better. But I also think that, you know, we, I think we talked about this last week or the week before, that one of the worst positions to be in as an NFL team isn't the team without a quarterback. It's the one with the average guy, the Matt Shaw yeah. that you're living with, or the Alex Smith. And I think there would be some fear there with Cousins to be in that shoe, the no-shoes. So, I mean, yeah, so what do you do? Because, I mean, if you well, that's a question. Yeah. Because I mean, he, two first round picks, nice, especially since one was number two in the you know in the draft this year. But you're still not helping yourself immediately by getting rid of a you know at least an average starting quarterback. But you don't want to pay him top five quarterback money either. So it's it's kind of a tough spot. Yeah, I, I feel for the teams with the totally average you know, right middle of the road or slightly below starting quarterback because you're better off than 10 teams, but there's certainly 10 teams way better off than you, and you can really get in limbo there. I mean, to me, that's one of the hardest things to manage in the league. And maybe if, I mean, if you do sign Cousins or if you franchise them, wouldn't it be smart still to use a third-round pick on a guy, you know, a Cardell Jones type with a lot of upside and a year from now, if he looks good, maybe he's a hit, or you know, I mean, but those guys don't grow on trees either. I mean, it, it, it's a real balancing act, and obviously everybody would love to have the the future Hall of Famer, and it doesn't work that way. But you also can't get too strapped. I mean, look at Baltimore. I mean, I'm kind of a Flacco believer, but his contract has hurt that team dramatically since the Super Bowl. You know, they they lose a big free agent or two or three. I mean, you saw Kalechi Assembly. You know, they have a really have had a really hard time keeping their own. They've been one of those teams because of the Flacco contract to a big degree. But what do you do? I mean, he, right. he helped I mean, win you a Super Bowl, and he was, you know, a pretty good quarterback at that time. So you can't just let him go. Right, and you that's know, the deal with Washington, yeah, it's a, too. That's why this thing is so year-to-year, because you just never know when things are going to change. or it, It's just, you just got to really... Hope for the best every year. Hundred percent agree, no doubt. You know, another name on this franchise list. I'm not going to go through all of them, but Terrell Pryor. And I know you have a bit of history with him, and, and you're a fan of him. I think he's an amazing story. And like we talked about this, I think in October. I don't think he gets enough credit. Now he might either be franchised at a huge number, or given a, a long term contract. And this is a guy. That bounced around like five teams as a quarterback, and now he's considered a franchise tag level receiver. It's an unprecedented story. It's just unbelievable. It really is. And if this was a team that was, you know, had a lot less cap room or was more successful or had other receivers, I think you let him test the market and you try to, you know, let him be honest, you know, figure figure out what he could do with them on the open market and compete with them. But if you're the Browns, I think he's a potentially special player. You know, to do that much, it was basically a year ago today, give or take, that he decided I'm going to be a wide receiver. It's only been a year, you know, and yeah. all the off-season workouts and all those things. I don't even know if he was on the Browns roster at this point last year. I don't remember. And so give him another year, what's he going to be like? Or another year, he's only 26 or 27, immense, immense talent. That I just think where the the state of the Browns and as much money as they have to spend, on the surface, what Terrell Pryor brings 
might not be worth the franchise tag to every team, but to the Browns who are gonna somehow gonna have a new quarterback, maybe could actually have the strength of their team with a prior Coleman combination. I think no matter what, you just can't let him leave. Do you? I mean, do you think he can be a top level guy the next couple of years? Yes, I mean, in that he's unbelievably talented, unbelievably talented, and. I mean, I don't know that he's ever going to be, you know, uh, the best top. You know, he's going to be Julio, but right. I think he could be one of the Browns' best players, certainly this year and going forward. Again, this guy was just trying to hang on as a quarterback. It's it's incredible. And, you know, I think a thing that he doesn't get enough credit for is uh, his work ethic. And being around the Raiders, that's what they would tell me. Coaches like, hey, you know, this guy has a little bit of a reputation, of, you know, because, you know, way, the way the whole college thing, the way that ended, so you guys might get a certain perception about him. But there is nothing diva about this guy. There is nothing give me a handout about him when he got into an NFL facility. He, he just he really tried to work, and he was very bright and earnest. And, he, I mean, I think now you, you look back and all that quarterback history – is probably something that you know few receivers have under their belt, and they can see things through the other eyes on the field and the reading of coverages and things like that. I mean, they could be a benefit to him. And I know that he can rub people wrong, and you know he can be a little brash. But I mean, he's not the first receiver to be that way. And kind of like what you were hinting at, I think he's mostly out of competitiveness. You know, when they were 0 and 14 last year, and maybe he was barking on the sidelines. I think he wants to win. Yeah. Well, that's that's that can be novel sometimes. We'll take that, right? Right, right. I mean, as long as it's not too distracting, or he's a bad person, or you know, I mean, if he's going to bark at his teammates to get him to work harder, or to you know, to be competitive and to keep up, then I think that's an asset. Right. If you don't mind, I want to talk about a few more franchise guys since it's happening now. Um, just real quick, Melvin Ingram of, of the Chargers. Yes or no? Would you tag him? He's very borderline to me. I think he's one of the hardest decisions out there. So, in the end, I would probably lean towards yes. Edge pass rushers are really valuable. Um, But it sounds like they're going to install more of a Seahawks-like defensive scheme. And I'm not sure that does Ingram a lot of favors. You know, when they were more of a 3-4, I think that's who he is. And he's gotten down to about 245 pounds. Could he be the Cliff Averill role for them? I tend to think not, but they're not in a position to allow good football players to leave either. And he's going to get big money if they do let him go. I think he's a high-quality player. So he's a tough one, but I would probably lean towards keep him and tag him. And he, you know, this is a team that's on the brink of having a really good defense, and, and he's part of it. Yeah. And he can be a hell of a one-two punch with Boza, and Boza's not – super expensive right now, so I, if I was them, I, w- I would do it. Right. I, I don't think you want to open another hole in that defense to go find somebody else. Right. Right. Um, Martellus Bennett. They don't really have a choice, do they? In franchising? Yeah. See, I don't think they would even consider franchising him. Do you think the opposite? I, I think it's going to be either him or uh, Hightower. Yeah, I think Hightower is much more valuable to them. 
Yeah. And what about the Gronk thing, though? Because, um, well, you know, we don't know if he's going to be healthy. Right, and I hear you. Um, I just don't think Bennett's in that conversation as a level of player. You know, the yeah. Hightower's much better at what he does. I think he's much more important. I mean, I, I would probably rather have eight to ten tight ends in the league over Bennett. Not that he's bad. Um, I guess if you're super worried about Gronk's health, that could factor in. Um, it's a really, really good tight end draft, so I don't think that helps Bennett's cause, especially if you deal Jimmy G. Maybe you end up getting an O.J. Howard or something like that, you know, as compensation or, you know, picks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't consider franchising Bennett. I'd like to bring him back. So he'll probably leave then, wouldn't you think? I would think. You know, I would think. I would think that whenever he hits the market, he'll be in demand and probably gets a little overpaid. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's okay with that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Last one. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. I mean... That's a tough one because obviously he's only 24. He's going to turn 25 next week. So he's really young. Yes, he has suspension history. Yes, he has injury history. But he's also a big reason why their Super Bowl window is open. Do you just tag him now and and just kind of worry about it next year? Or do you bite the bullet and give him a huge deal? You know, in running backs, you don't, you know, you don't know if you want to do that. I mean, is this simple? You just don't do it, or is, is it a difficult decision? You think? So I think it's easy to franchise them. You know, like I don't think that's what you're asking. I mean, you're saying should you sign them long term or not? Yeah. Right. I mean, to me, that's the difficult decision for several reasons. I mean, he is young, came into the league very young, um, but he has a extensive injury history. He has a suspension history. And Tomlin has a a real pension for whoever his lead back is, just grinding him into the ground until the wheels fall off. And it seems to happen every year. Uh, he goes down in the playoffs in this in this case. I mean, that was his first ever playoff game because he's always hurt at the end of the year because they use him so much and 35 touches a game during that stretch or whatever, um, including receiving. So I think I would handle it this way: is kind of like you said, franchise him. I think he's the best back in the league. See where he is a year from now. I mean, if he misses the last six games and you beat the heck out of him again, I think you'll let him hit the market. Um, maybe, you, you know, D'Angelo Williams also a free agent. You know, maybe you use a second or third round pick in a really good running back draft. And if you like that player a lot as he sits behind Bell, he's your guy for 2018. All right. Interesting. But I can't sign and, him long term right now. Yeah. Yeah. So he could be a guy that could be playing somewhere else as soon as next year. In 2018, I think that's possible. Yeah. You know, I mean, running backs You're don't right. last long, and, you know, they're not a team to invest heavily in a, in a guy that won't be, may not be around for the long term. Yeah, and see that, I mean, that's, a, that's another position that you're going to have to have guts at being, trusting, you know, reality and, and being able to find a running back pretty easily, even though he's been so important to them. But, you know, he might just, he just might have a shorter, stealer life, you know, lifeline than other key players. And that's okay, right? Right. And, you know, you know, the way the franchise tag works is, 
if you franchise him this year, he's making the average of the top five running backs. And if you really believe he's the best running back in the league, well, that's a bargain. If and, and then it goes up uh, uh, incrementally, and I don't know exactly how much it goes up. But if he's still a total stud, you could franchise him a second time. You know, I mean, uh, Washington's doing that with Kirk Cousins. Certainly Le'Veon Bell's much better at what he does than Cousins is. That Maybe you get two years of franchising out of him, and then he's done. And that might be the case of Eric Berry in Kansas City this year as well. Yeah, or Pierre Paul, or, you know... Remember every year Walter Jones used to get franchised, you know, like yeah. and he'd just yeah. get a pay bump every year and you play on one year deal and do it again and do it again. Right, right. Well talk we'll change a little up a little bit. Last week you wrote some stories saying three teams that are ready to improve in each conference. let's talk about that a little bit. Um your AFC teams were was it was it Denver, Tennessee and and the Browns, which is kind of cheating because they have nowhere to go but up. Well, that's fine. You know, that's but fine. They're well, the obvious you, candidate. What what team of those has the highest 2017 window? Probably the Titans. See, I think Tennessee could really take a big step forward. I mean, I do too. Two first round picks, uh, some other picks throughout the draft. You know, extra picks, a lot of cap space. Not massive needs. You know, I mean, I think they'd love to get a number one receiver, and I think their secondary needs a lot of work, especially a corner. But that's not that crazy of a shopping list with all the resources they have, and their division's pretty easy. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, third most third most um, cap space in the league, tons of, ta- of draft picks because of the trade with the Rams. And a team that really... Moved up quicker than expected last year, and they really were—they were one of the better teams in the AFC in the second half of the season. And Mariota really, really have a found, step up. They really have a foundation think, too. Good offensive line, running game. I mean, they have a real foundation there now too. You know, with yeah. a, a good offensive line, two backs, a good running game. I think Mariota's an absolute keeper, although he's coming off injury. Um, you know, the defense could use some things, but especially. If their secondary becomes a strength as opposed to a weakness, you know, they go sign A.J. Bouye and use a first-round pick on a corner. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know, these guys have a lot of lot of weapons for LeBeau on that side of the field. Yeah, I, I really think, I mean, right now in February, I, I think them and, and the Raiders could be the, you know, New England's biggest worry right now. Obviously, things are going to change a lot, but I just I just like Tennessee. Yeah, I, I think Pittsburgh's not going away either. But I hundred percent agree with you. No, yeah. and I probably like Kansas City more than most people because okay, I know the argument on him is uh, on them is Alex Smith, but the dude still won twelve games this year, and and they are getting more dynamic around him on offense and the defense. Yeah, Houston's healthy next year, and they got Barry back. And I, I like the way their program's run by their head coach. I don't think they're, they're going to take a dive, you know. So yeah, but I think that makes me excited about teams like the Raiders and the Titans are that they're already playing pretty well, and their arrow is really pointing up. There's not a lot of worry about them. We know they're going to get better, right? And I think they both have. 
clear areas to use their resources at. You know, like right. uh, the Raiders, if they could if they could get an every down difference making pure linebacker, second level guy, that could kind of complete the defense. And what if they got a stud running back and, and upgraded from Murray and used the first round pick on Leonard Fournette or something along? You know, a, a big time right. player there. That they don't have a lot of gaping holes that they can concentrate in a couple areas like the Titans, and hit it hard. Uh, Denver's right. interesting, though, too. I, I just think Denver's going to make them more splashes than people realize. Um, I don't think it, even, it might not even be at the quarterback position. The quarterback might remain a liability for them, but they do have money to spend. An upgrade in the offensive line would go a long way. Some reinforcements on defense that they lost. You know, Trevathan and Jackson leaving a year ago. I think they can do some things to get back there. Um, not that I think they're going to be a contender, but I think that they could have a strong offseason. What's your read on on Paxton Lynch? Do they just just give it to him and, and see if he can do it? I mean, he has more ability than the other guy. But they just seem to be a little hesitant. And I, I don't know if it's, they don't like what they've seen since they've had him in their building or what, but it just seems like they don't know if he's the guy. People close to the organization have told me that they still love him. You know, they loved him on draft day. Great fit for Kubiak, and they're not going to change the offense all that much. He probably got thrust in earlier than he should, and he looked bad doing so. And their line didn't help him, and they didn't have as much of a running game, and no C.J. Anderson. Um, I think the big-picture plan in that building is Lynch is going to be our our quarterback. And maybe it won't be on opening day and we're going to have a competition between these two, but all ties are going to be broken in Paxson's favor. Well, yeah, I think I think that's the way it should be. Give him a shot. And I, I mean, he wasn't offensively bad last year when he played, was he? No, and it was a really small sample size, too. It wasn't like he played the whole year. Right, right. John Lynch, was when he was talking about his 49ers needs, and he was talking, hey, I watched Paxton Lynch a lot in the summer. And he was one of those guys that when it was a two-minute drill, they scored every time. When it was, you know, regular offense, he was struggling and he was asking a lot of questions. But he goes, you want a guy like that because he came in and you know he has the ability because when it's street ball, he's doing well. He just needs to be coached up. And that's a good sign for a guy like his. Future. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I haven't thought about it through those, you know, that view, or I hadn't heard that before. But yeah, I mean, it kind of sort of reminds me of Roethlisberger early on, you know, that or Favre, or you know, one of those guys that when I can just go out and play football and not think and get it out of my hands and hit the open guy and use my big arm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. And a lot of guys never get to that point. They know they they never can become a. a dangerous improv player, you know, where if he already has that and starts to get the foundation of the offense and the things that the coaches coach him, then, you know, that's promising. The good things will come. You know, yeah, I mean, and Brett Favre never grew out of that. And much, and, when I, and I don't say that negatively. That was part of his beauty. I have somebody yeah. that was direct knowledge of the quarterback room after he won those MVPs who swears that he was almost proud that he really didn't understand nickel defense. Right, he like Florida's a badge of honor. 
I don't really give a crap if I don't know nickel defense. I'm going to beat them anyway. Yeah, and nickel is certainly not a high-level defense to figure out if you're a quarterback. He didn't care about that. You know, Brett Favre's right, yeah. in the Hall of Fame, but he's never going to be known as a brainiac, a, you know, a guy who could read defenses, but it still worked for him. Absolutely. And he's certainly the rarest of exceptions. And, right. You know, I mean, that's not – you don't teach your kids to do it that way. And he also is remarkably talented, too. I mean, he could throw it through a door, you know. So, yeah. And, and sometimes I bet it bit him also, in the butt, too. Right, right. I mean, he also threw more yeah. picks than anybody either. Um, I would bet a little of that's embellished, you know, that A little bit, 10, but, I, but, I mean, you know yeah. better than I do. By year 10, I bet he knows what a, a, nickel, you know, a, a, a nickel defense is. Right, yeah, certainly. I mean, but I'm telling you. Care. There's people in that room that were going, I don't, I don't know if he's joking because he said it too much, you know. <laughs> so, um, let's go over to the NFC. Um, who, are the, who are your teams to make big moves there? I think Tampa Bay was in there. That's the one I think is the most interesting to talk about because they have a lot of cap space. They have a lot of impending free agents, but in their case, I think it'd almost be addition by subtraction. You know, there's there's nobody that, boy, what if we lose him? You know, like they both are starting safeties, but their safeties are terrible. You know, that there aren't many of their free agents that I would be like, man, we got to do everything possible to keep that guy around. So right. I could see as much as any team in the league, their roster being different in 2017 than it was in 2016. And to me, that's good, you know, that if you keep the O-line basically intact and obviously Winston and Evans and some of your foundational players you've drafted lately, and then you supplement them with a strong offseason and a lot of bodies changing uniforms, that might be what they need. Yeah, interesting, because, I mean, they do have the right guys at the key spots, and maybe they can pick and choose their own free agency. Hey, we don't want these guys that we have, but we have cap room and we need to get better here, because that's going to be, a, that will be an attractive team to go to for free agents. They will do well in free agent recruiting recruiting because of the young quarterback, because of the strides they made last year, and frankly because no state taxes in Florida, and, and a lot of guys live there anyway. So, this could be a team that could make some noise in free agency. Yeah, and that was my thought process, too, was young, fun team, coaches in place, young quarterback, you know, if you're a second receiver or, you know, uh, an edge pass rusher or whatever, a safety, that would be a really attractive landing spot for me. Yeah, yeah. Who are the other teams in the NFC? Uh, sort of like Cleveland, I cheated with San Francisco. Um, I think the Bears were the other one. They're another one that has yeah. a lot of resources. Um, there's several out there I think are interesting. But Tampa, to me, was the one that really stood out as the, the best talking point in the NFC. Can the Bears get significantly better, you think? No, but <laughs> I think that they have a couple assets that are better than the average fan realizes. Like, right. their interior, their offensive line, to me, is excellent. I think their front seven is going to be really good. So I think they're kind of like a year behind the Titans where this thing wasn't built in a day. 
If they can really upgrade the secondary through the draft and free agency, that would go a long way to completing the defense, and it's not that big of a task. If they keep Alshon Jeffrey and Kevin White comes back and Meredith look like he's a quality player, you might have a good core of receivers. Um, I think Jordan Howard is at least good enough slash a quality starter. But, of course, the elephant in the room is who the hell's our quarterback. Right. Yeah, I mean, are they in position to draft one of the rookies, Watson or Kaiser? I keep seeing Kaiser connected to them. I mean... See, I think they cut Cutler. I think you keep Hoyer as your total bridge guy. But I just can't see Fox using the third pick on the draft on a total project quarterback. It just doesn't seem like his M.O. When there's great defensive players... This is maybe his last year there. You know, this is going to be his third year. True, you know, but there's going to be so many. The more I study this draft, and I'm I'm not a draft expert, but the more I'm impressed with a handful of positions. And if you're picking third, it almost almost reminds me of the Cam Newton year. You remember how many good players were in that draft? That there were AJ Green and JJ Watt and Patrick Peterson and Julio Jones, and that year was loaded. It was 2011, I think. And Ron like Miller, the only Smith, yeah. Yeah, right. Unreal, you know what I mean? uh, unreal defense uh, draft. Right, and some stud receivers. And you know, I kind of feel like this draft is along those lines, where the only teams that missed were the guys that drafted Blaine Gabbard and Christian Ponder, and nobody thought they were top of the draft guys Rocker, anyway. That's a hell of a point. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, I think the Bears take a great safety or a great defensive lineman, or you know, and instead of you know, let's just grab a quarterback because he's a quarterback. Right. Do so you think this could be a good draft at the right places, huh? I think the O-line is really bad. I think That's the right tight end. ends are unbelievably good. I think the receivers are a little down. I think the running backs are very, very good. The more I study the defense, I think the defense overall is loaded. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, and, and the quarterbacks don't seem good, right? No, they don't. And it sounds like, and I don't know this for a fact, but it sounds like next year's class is probably better than this year's class. And basically any quarterback you draft in this class really should sit. You know, I mean, and, and we, have, we hear these same things every year. You know, Blake Bortles is, gets drafted, and we're going to sit him, and then he's the opening day starter. You know, I mean, but it sounds like all these guys, and again, I have a lot more work to do really should sit behind a Hoyer for a year or, you know, a Cutler or whomever. But I would have a hard time pulling the trigger in the top five on these quarterbacks, knowing what I know about them when there's a, you know, a guy like Adams, the stud safety from LSU that looks like he's the next Eric Berry or, you know, Sean Taylor even. You know, there's just so many other quality guys. I would struggle to take that quarterback right now. It seems to me that over the years, Every year we say this is not a good quarterback year. Are we ever going to have a good quarterback year going into the draft? You know, I mean, it's just when was the last time we've had a, quote, good quarterback year? I may be missing something off the top of my head. Um, I guess 2012 was supposed to be with Luck and RG3, but it was for that year, but it only ended up being Luck. You know what I mean? It just doesn't seem like there's more than one really quality prospect a year. No, I think you're right. I mean, it's no secret that you know quarterbacks are at a short right, shortage right now, 
And you're right. Rarely do we say, boy, this is a great quarterback here. I mean, even, you know, Winston and Mariota, I mean, they both look like home runs. Yeah. But we, coming yeah. into that draft, it wasn't like, boy, this is a really great year to pick the top. I mean, I think it is now looking back or 2014, you get your guy Carr in the second round. I mean, that's a home run. Or Bortles has a chance to be good. Teddy's a pretty good player. You know, so I think there is a, a handful of good, young, impressive quarterbacks in the league. And I'm still a big Wentz believer. Um, but you're right. I mean, rarely it, in on Valentine's Day are we talking about, boy, this looks like a great recruit, you know, a great class of quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, are we ever going to see, like, three, you know, three of the top five guys be quarterbacks and all be great together? You know, I just, I mean, 2004 was that way. You know, Eli, Eli Rivers and Big Ben at number 11. I mean, it just, it just doesn't seem like it happens where they get drafted early together and then they actually flourish together. Agreed, agreed. I mean, I do think that is a rarity. Uh, yeah. And I don't, and I'm not going to forecast that this is a year it's any different. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, what was the any, any thoughts on the Victor Cruz cut? I mean, does he have anything left? Do you think? I'm actually writing an article about that, and I don't think he really does. Um, I think he kind of got the short end of the stick in that he's a true slot guy. And he lost that job to Shepard, rightfully so. I think Shepard's a really good player. And we all knew this cut was coming. And I don't think Cruz's career is over. But I started a list, and I haven't finished the article yet. I'll turn it in tonight. I've came up with five to eight teams that I think should kick the tires on them. You know, that we could use a slot guy. I mean, New England immediately even came to mind. That go there and play behind Edelman and be the Amendola and – you know, we're not going to pay you a ton, and you're a veteran, and we've gotten a lot out of similar guys in the past. Maybe that's an entry, you know, a team of interest. Or San Francisco is so bad there right now, maybe they could use them. Or could the Bears make them their slot guy? Or, But in the end, I mean, the last paragraph of my article is going to be, don't expect anyone to beat down Cruz's door. I think he's a late-in-the-process, add-him-at-the-right-price-on-a-one-year-deal type of guy and maybe gets in the right situation and does some things. But I'm right. not impressed. And, and, and right. the same is kind of true with Jennings there, too. Right. Yeah, 31-year-old running back. Right. I want to end today's show on um, another story you did is on Garoppolo and, and your thoughts of can he be uh, – what was, what was the punchline? Can he be a high-level franchise quarterback? I mean – what was your conclusion there? On Jimmy? Yeah. I love I, I'm really, really high on him. You know, like all the things we talked about with Trubisky and Watson and Kaiser and those guys, if I'm one of those teams, including the Bears, I'm really talking trade with the Patriots. You know, I mean, I'm not sure that I can give up one, two, or three if I'm the Browns, you know, uh, Niners or Bears. But I really look at the Jimmy thing through the Browns' viewpoint, and I can't let him go anywhere but Cleveland. You know, I would look at this, this offseason from the Browns as, I'm going to take Miles Garrett first overall. He's the best player in the draft. Hopefully he's a superstar. He's the next Khalil Mack or whatever. But if it costs me number 12, 
I can I can pay that price, you know, for Jimmy. I'm that high on him. I have that much cap space. I lock him up long term, and I think that's the absolute best the Patriots could get for him. You know that, and maybe get something else. You know, give me Jimmy in your third, and I'll give you twelve. Or you open right. the bidding with we have the first pick in the second round. How about we give you that and a future third? And you know, the Patriots go back and forth, and eventually it, 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 the rubber hits the road, and the best offer you give up is number twelve for Garoppolo. To me, that's worth it. I think he's going to be a top 12 quarterback in this league. Pretty quickly? Pretty quickly, although going to Cleveland doesn't help your cause. So if that's the case, and say we threw him in, magically threw him into this draft, um, See, I think he's he's even for the quarterback taken, right? Overall. What's that? See, I think he's in the consideration for first pick overall. Then why don't then why don't the why wouldn't the Bears give number three for him? Yeah, I'm just kind of talking out both sides of my mouth. Then you know, I mean, hadn't thought of it through that eye, those eyes. You know, you know a lot more about them than you do Trubisky or some of these other guys. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think it would come to that. I mean, yeah. and maybe he is. I mean, if a franchise quarterback, there's certainly the the rightful logic out there that. A franchise quarterback you can't overspend on. You know, I mean, no matter what the price was, it's worth it. But well, New I certainly England would be think... thrilled with number 12 for him, right? What's that? New England would be thrilled getting number 12 for him, wouldn't they? That's what I was about to say, though. I mean, I think if the Browns offered them 12 for Jimmy right to second, they say, bye, done, done deal. And in the end, I think it'll come close to that. And, and it's I a think great a deal for, for the, both. For the it's a great deal for the uh, Browns too because they don't have to worry about taking a a flyer on one of these quarterbacks at number one and get the best overall player. Like you're talking about overall, so you get you get the guy from Texas A&M and you get Garoppolo at one and twelve. You're really on your way, at least theoretically, right? And you're on the clock again at thirty-three. You got a bunch of other picks. You got a bunch of comp picks coming. You already had. You already spent some serious money in free agency at that point. So yeah, I mean, to me, that's the team. You know that if I'm the Browns with all my resources, nobody else has two picks in the top twelve. That I can get this. I can get this deal done with twelve. I think you absolutely have to make that happen, and maybe you get a little sugar back with it. You know, a late uh, third rounder or something else. But right. you know, if you're the like you said, if you're the Patriots. You have to love that deal. I mean, if every Patriot fan listening right now would say, I'll give up my backup quarterback that I'm going to leave in a year for O.J. Howard or the second or third best edge rusher in this draft or a great corner or, you know, I mean, that's a rookie on a first-round pick. I mean, heck yeah. And they'll just – and they're the Patriots, and they'll they'll find another backup quarterback to develop. I mean, maybe it's Brissett now, right? Right, and I assume they like Brissett, and – They've shown all through Brady's, I mean, really, since Belichick's been there, they've used a lot of high picks on quarterbacks, and I assume that they still will. I mean, not early first-rounders or anything, but second, third-round type guys, I assume they'll continue to take that same strategy. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And going back to the Browns a little bit, if they get some talent, I like Hugh Jackson as a coach. I know he's a little goofy, and but I think you can win with him as your head coach. I do, too. I have no reason to think he isn't the guy. And I know they didn't win a lot of games, but 
I don't think Vince Lombardi wins a lot of games there this year. And you look at that division, I still think Pittsburgh is going to be strong. But I think Baltimore and Cincinnati have gotten old. I think their quarterbacks are starting to be that QB no-man's land. I don't know that either one's primed to take a big step forward this upcoming year or two. And I really look at the Bengals and think they could go back to being a bottom feeder in a year or two. Yeah, I see I see them as a team that needed to make a, a change this year to start that process, and next year is going to be kind of a wasted year for them, and then they'll get rid of, of Lewis. And it's because, you know, the ownership is worried about contract money with head coaches. Well, yeah. say one thing about a guy like Jed York. He's not worried about contract money with head coaches. You know, he's he's right. paying three head coaches right now, but he's trying mm-hmm. at least he's trying to get it right. And and I don't give Jed a lot of credit for anything. I think he's the reason why this team is bad. But you look at the Bengals, and they're just—I mean, what, be a contender. You're close. Yeah, I think they're, they're highly complacent. I think they're the most complacent team in the league, and they're getting old yeah. quickly. Yeah. Man, I you know this show today went by like in five minutes, and that's because I think we both love off-season talk. Yep. It's really my favorite you know. time of the year, and it only heats up from here. Yeah, yeah, and there's just going to be there's just going to be more and more to talk about every week. So let's end it there. I appreciate it, Matt. We'll be back next week as we inch a, clo- a week closer to free agency. Absolutely, bud. And I'll be at the combine this year too, so we can maybe do one from down there. All right, cool, man. Great. All right, I appreciate it. We will talk to you soon. Thanks everybody for listening to No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. We'll be back next week.